Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast with Irene and Katrina. The only dental podcast to bring you a Canadian RDH and an American RDH. These ladies bring you mic-dropping interviews with your favorite social media peeps and epic people doing amazing things in dentistry. Now let's put our over gloves together for Tooth Life, Irene and Katrina, the wine genist. Welcome back, peeps, to another episode of the Tooth or Dare podcast, peeps, with your peeps, Irene and Katrina. We're oh, recording this here we are. on May the 4th. Be with you. May the 4th be with you. It's gonna be May. Yeah, I'm so happy May 4th. Tomorrow is happy Cinco de Mayo. Star Wars Day. And tomorrow it's Star will Wars be- Day. Tomorrow will be Taco Day. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's um, Taco Day. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so I feel good. like I haven't so seen good. you in forever. How are you? I know. You, what so are you weird, doing? Right? You're like in a in a cabin cooking your own meat on a fire. Like, what is yes. this lumber doing well, to you? I know. Wait, Where is well, my yeah. friend Katrina, and how do I get her back? <laughs> <laughs> this is Dale. this is the thing. We knew this when I brought him into the show as the we lumber. Did. Like, it's just we a did. pervasive we issue. I know. We're still shocked. So, I know he cracks me up. So we, um, I needed to go down to Wilcox. Stay tuned. I've got some fun stuff that's going to be coming down from the dental wine genus brand super duper soon, but we have had to go down to Wilcox, um, which is Southeast of Tucson. It's like three and a half hours away from Phoenix. You're in the middle of nowhere. And Dale's like, Hey babe, I got an Airbnb. And he's like, just, you know, are you cool with me just getting Airbnb? And I said, yes, like an idiot, instead of saying, Yes. However, is there running water in the facility? It did not <gasps> no. occur to me to ask that because I don't know I why mean, I didn't. What savage think to ask that. takes a ginger with curly hair where there's I no know. running water? Right. I'm like, okay. So we show up at our Airbnb, and it yeah, literally there was an outdoor shower and then a porta potty. And I'm like, and I just look at him and I'm like, I, you are so lucky that I love you so much because this is like ridiculous. Um, we had a delightful time. It was, it was just, it was hysterical. Um, but we were hungry. And so we're like, okay, let's go, uh, into town for dinner. Now, again, to go into, into town is like nine hours. There were, there were nothing was open because it's like a small little town, whatever. Mm. Um, but there was this bar that was open and it said, you cook it, but like the letter you, you know, they couldn't even like classy. You cook it. So we go, we go in and the gal was there cooking is it like, like hyphenated. So you have to like say exactly, it all in one yep, sentence. Yep. It was like all and hyphenated. An, yeah. You cook it like that. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yup. Yup. I'm like, okay. So uh, we go in and Dale's like, so tell us about this. You cook it thing. And she's like, well, you know, it, you can cook it, but you need to wait 15 minutes because I need to defrost your, your meat. I'll put it in a bath of water, um, to defrost Ew. it. And then the girl's over there and then and you just like roll whatever second. you want. How do you defrost meat in 15 minutes in a bath of water? Like I, I literally I've, have no I've, idea. You have to like I, all leave these it things in there. I have concerns. Like, what is the water boiling? Like is she sous viding it to like to, I, to defrost yes. it? Uh, all questions I thought in my head, but I wasn't going to say it out loud. At that point, I was like well sedated. Like we got to the Airbnb and we were waiting for the lady. And I was like, there's a bottle of wine in the car. I'm just going to open it. So I'm like sitting in the back of my car. Let me know when my steak is defrosted. (laughs) (laughs) How my steak is sous vide to perfection. (laughs) So we go, we, we, he cooks these steaks, right. Or whatever. I, I can't remember whatever we had. And they're like, Oh, there's a salad bar. And like all of the like iceberg lettuce was like brown because it had been sitting out, you know, I'm like, 
I don't even know what's going on here. I'm. Oh, it was just a terrible. salad bar in the desert does not seem like a it's sexy all, thing for it's me. All a terrible idea. All like yeah. a, the worst idea. So we get back to the Airbnb slash glamping You're lucky situation. You didn't get E. coli. Right. Well, and that's the thing. So we're laying in bed, and Dale just goes, "I hope we didn't get a foodborne illness from eating there." Oh, no. I'm like, "Yeah, maybe." Um, so that was very interesting. Um, but uh, but nevertheless, an adventure. Um, and now I've learned. Um, so, ladies listening, um, when your boo decides to pick an Airbnb, my uh, advice to you is to ask for a picture of the bathroom at the Airbnb, yes. just so that you know what the running water situation may or may not be, uh, right. would be my piece of advice. But, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, living my best life. How are you, Irene? You look fantastic by the way. Thank you. Thank you. You're I am glowing. living my best life. I finished school since I last spoke to you. That's why you're glowing. You're not I like graduated. a stressed out student anymore. Yes, Congratulations, I Irene. School. I am officially, oh. uh, awaiting my my designation certificate from the, the, the regal people at the college, but I the am regal officially people. on my way. Yeah. I feel like they're like, I don't know. They like have scepters and, and tiaras they wear cloaks. and like, yes. they were where they were like one of those velvet, like cloaks with the fur, yes. with the spotted they put, black they put spots their, like, on it. On you know, yeah. and then they take the wig off. And yeah. They, yeah. And it's like, ma, we have an application for restorative dental hygiene. We must inspect this. Like, I feel like that. Gaze the, upon I, your sovereign, which is, Irene. Like, the stupidest Naku. thing in my mind because it's like, <laughs> I know, you? I know like 80% of the people that are there and like some of them are my friends. So if they're listening to this, I'm sorry, but this is just, I think this it's is what everyone thinks what the think. college is like. Um, but yeah, so that, that's done. I finished restorative dental hygiene school, which was like a hop, skip and a jump with honors Dean's list. But Get it. Drop Irene, the mic. I'm so proud of you. Thank of you. Course. I don't know if I can do I a mean, filling, but I can try. <laughs> well, I, that is just, that's so impressive for all the things that you're juggling. And then to step into that, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And this is just, I didn't really such step. A, I'm more like jumped head first. And then it was yeah. like free fall for a while. Then and like then rolling. eventually I hit like, you know, a small, soft yeah. rock and then rolled mm. down a big mm. hill and then fell on some grass like I I made it yep. I'm here look at me look at me okay. go so but that's you know that. what you made it that's yes. all that matters I made it so that, <laughs> that's so that's good that um you know changes oh. at the office as per usual um mm -hmm. but but good things sometimes sometimes good things fall apart for better things to come together that's been my molar of the story and um that's uh that's what they say yeah that's what they say out that's there they say who is they i really want to meet them. i don't i don't know the proverbial <laughs> they i suppose they? um so listen so when you that. um when you do your restorative work yes um, yes are you wearing a different set of loops oh great question um speaking of the loops our peeps at designs for vision hooked me up. I mean, they hooked me up a little bit ago, so I don't want to, I don't they, want to, um, they hook up quite a bit. They, they hooked up and they're hooking up a little bit more, but we'll get into that another time. But, um, that's a great question. And I find that, so I use the, the ergonomic loops. They're, they're called mm -hmm. the infinity view loop, view loop, infinity view Lou. Oh, Lou, where are you? Lou. I miss you. Um, so the infinity view loops, which originally I had placed in the Yeoman frame, which is the frame that you have. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, mine are gray. Yours are blue. Mine are right? pink. Pink. Okay, pink. I also mm -hmm. have the pink, but yours are pink too. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. But I found that they were really heavy 
or not really mm. heavy, but heavier. But my biggest qualm was that I didn't have enough space between the loop and the frame. So when I'm trying to speak to a patient, I'm like trying to look over them, kind of like a, an angry teacher. So yeah. I, I changed to a different frame style called the Ranger frame. And I also went up in magnification by 0.5. So I went from 3 okay, to 3.5. that's 3. what I was 5. wondering. Yeah. Yeah. I went up in magnification. I went with a, a higher frame, which by the way, I posted on my Instagram something May the 4th today. Um, so, but what I realized is that the difference between a three and a 3.5 and even a two and a three or a 2.5 and a 3.5 is so subtle. Like it's like half a tooth. Hmm. It's not that big of a, of a jump. And I think as a new grad, I feared magnification so much. I fear jumping in too high. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to like lean into it. I think my first set of loops was like a 1.5 and then mm. I went to a 2.5 and then I went to a 3 and then a 3.5 where I wish that I would have just bit the bullet and started at a 3.5 from the beginning. Do you feel that same yeah. way? Uh, honestly, I'll tell you this and this is like confession hour. I did not wear loops when I was in hygiene school. I didn't um, either. It wasn't mandatory yeah, were, and I was broke yeah. AF. Yeah, same, same. I was yeah. super duper broke. I would like, you know, whatever like the food special was at like the local bar, like buy a beer and get uh, like a free bowl of spaghetti. Tuesdays. I was like, yep, that, yep, yeah. <laughs> Taco Tuesday. Tuning Tuesdays. So I was like so poor in college. Um, so then I graduated and I worked for a um, a cosmetic dentist who wanted me to have the highest magnification because she was very concerned that her like hygienists were going to be. Well, I'm at three point five. Okay, but that's not the highest. Like you could go to six, well, I'm sorry, seven, I'm sorry, ten. The, the, yeah, the, the highest that hygienists use for the most part to be able At to do time. like quadrant scalings and things like Got that. It. But she wanted us pretty well attuned to that um, because she was very particular about her margins. And of course, she yeah, didn't want I mean, us doing the, like, that. You know, all those things. Um, and I will say it's so interesting because from the moment I put them on, uh, uh, at that point, it's like I can't practice without them is how I thought. Yeah. And so yeah. it's so weird. It's like that Claritin commercial, right? Like now, now that I, I have them, clear. you know, and, and yeah. I do have a few different pairs of loops, of course, thank you to our amazing friends at Designs for Vision. Um, but it, I, I literally look at the, in these loops now, or sometimes I'll like, Dale will wear them. We had to remove a little sticker that was uh, stuck inside of one of my dog's paused the other day Aww. and so Dale was wearing the loop and he's like these are amazing and it's like they are like once you see through them you, Chris you... did that to me too when I had a splinter in my leg he wore my Aww. loops to pull out the splinter that... <laughs> but like the distance between our pupils is so different that he had to have like one eye open and one yeah, eye closed like, close it's like am I getting it but his like depth perception was all wrong I was like I'm pretty sure you're gonna stab me with these tweezers and make it worse yeah yeah <laughs> But it's, it's but you know, right. it's one of those things where once, once you see that magnification, you can't unsee it. And yeah. actually I do want to do a call out. I, um, I, uh, wrote an article that was published in RDH magazine this month about loops and about how we have changed the game around loops, particularly during this global health crisis and mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, some of the ways that our loops are now protective. Um, I actually did not fully mention them in the article, but what I was writing about were the, um, the, uh, 
silicone, silicone cups, cups that are placed yeah. yeah around the loops. I absolutely love those. I'm a swimmer though, and so it feels like I'm wearing goggles. They've got that mm-hmm. beautiful seal on them. Um, but in the article, I actually make several comments about uh, the fact that the vast majority of dental professionals still aren't wearing loops, which is still um, very odd. I wonder why to me. that is. I think it. I mean, if it wasn't a cost factor, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's a misconception. I mean, I get this question often on Instagram. I posted a comparison video, what 2.5 and 3.5 looks like to kind of show the subtle difference. Mm-hmm. And I got a message from someone they're like, aren't you concerned that your eyes are going to be bad if you wear such high magnification? And I was like, I'm more concerned if I don't wear high magnification, yes, what's going to happen not only to eyes. my eyes or to my back or my neck, because we're like right. contorting in a thousand different positions. So I'm, I think these are the the, same people that are wearing, uh, earbuds and aren't concerned about their hearing. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Wow. So anywho, so I I feel like if anyone's listening to this and they're wondering like what magnification magnification they should get, it's like pick the magnification that you think you want and then go up by one or by 0.5. Um, Yeah. It's like getting you're not lip gonna, fillers. You're not going to hate the magnification. It's, it's like it's getting amazing. lip fillers. You're like, no, I only want a little bit. And then you go home <laughs> and you're and you're all swollen. You're like, oh, wow, they they look great. And then the swelling goes down. And you're like, oh, no, what do I do now? So it's like pick pick the magnification you want and go up <laughs> oh, by one. Man. <laughs> but, anywho, thanks again to our peeps for at Designs for Vision yes. for sponsoring this episode. We appreciate you so much. We have a wonderful episode with a wonderful human. Are you Are you ready for a song, my love? I have a song for you. <laughs> I'm so ready. Are you are you ready? I'm re- I'm ready, Irene. Okay. Have you listened to any music while you have been in the wilderness there? No, because I know Wi-Fi. So the only signal I had was to message you and tell you what okay. I was doing. <laughs> okay. All right. Here's your song. Okay. <laughs> Is this Ricky Martin? It is Ricky Martin. She's a superstition. superstition. Cats and voodoo dolls. Premonition. Are you going to guess who our guest is or are you just going to sing and dance? Ricky Martin is our guest? (laughs) Did we interview Ricky Martin? We did. Except not Ricky Martin. We interviewed Jessica Martin. Oh, okay. Irene, I can't. (laughs) What do you mean? It's the same I, name. You know what? I, next time I'm offering you a song and we'll just see if you can go down the rabbit hole. Really? Of where my Seriously? brain goes. Yes. Oh my yes. goodness. Okay. Well, we interviewed an <laughs> awesome person. Um, her name is Jessica Martin and she's a consultant. She does a lot of really cool things. A licensed psychologist. Fun fact. So listen to this episode and we'll catch you yes. on the flip side. On the flippy flip. All right, peeps, we've got a lovely episode with a fabulous lady, Jessica Martin, in the house. Welcome to the Tooth or Dare podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, ladies, for having me. Oh, my gosh. We're happy to do it. We're very uh, excited to have you on the pod today. Um, Yesterday was International Women's Day, um, so happy belated International Women's Day. And I'm super yes. excited to to have our fabulous viewers at home learn all about you and uh, and all of the amazing things that you're doing to elevate our profession. Yeah, I, awesome. I, 
I do this thing where I try not to learn too much about the person before we go on because I want to like meet you kind of we've never met in real life right I kind of want to meet you in real life virtually like this um and hear about kind of your story but can we like do the thing Katrina like should we let's do it let's do the thing so we do this thing where we do it it. yeah let's do it okay so we we go way back like (laughs) way back playbacks I want to know about you as a child like can we go to like like oh you don't just like share all the dirty secrets of what you did when you were 15 (laughs) but like tell me about what you were like as an in elementary school Mm. like where did you grow up where did you move to Katrina likes to know if you played an instrument mostly did you play in the band yeah that's really what I want to know yeah, so take us take <laughs> us on a take us on a on a journey. Okay, Who is no, I like the it. real Jessica Martin, and are you related yeah. to Ricky Martin? No, I wish that'd be fun. That'd no. be really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not related. Um, yeah. So I was born in Chicago and moved to tiny, tiny, small town Wisconsin when I was six. So what that town? was a little un- um, Turtle Lake. Turtle Lake. So I, I grew up in Milwaukee. I grew up in a small suburb called Greendale. We used to go up to Fox oh. Lake all the time. Okay. I'm, I, yeah, Milwaukee's a big city compared to that, yeah. where, where I'm from. But no, I graduated with like 39 kids, super tiny, quaint, but really like a cute community and very safe and great now that I look back as an adult. Um, what? Did, oh, I did not play an instrument. I'm sorry. Um, I was in choir though, but I will not sing for you. So that's oh, out of the hard. question. Damn. It, it is. It's totally bad. out of the question. Uh, out of the question. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh no. Yeah. All right. Well, mm. we were, so we were what, hoping. what got you, how do you, how did we meet? How did you guys meet? Um, well, I was at the, uh, so she was at DSI. the dental, yes, dental speakers Institute. Um, okay. very cool event that brings like dental speakers and consultants. Is that and Duffy's together? It's Anne not. Duffy's thing? <clears throat> no, but Ann Duffy's always there. She's such okay. a, I feel like I see her in everything. Bee. So I, my I first instinct is always to say, is that Ann Duffy's thing? Cause <laughs> Ann Duffy's thing is like everything. And that's what I almost said. I almost said we met through Do, but no, we met at the Jumpstart through Dental Speakers Institute. Yeah, got it. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. cool. So, so what is it that you do? How did you be? Wh- where did you start in dentistry? Like, let's start there. Yeah, so I started dating a dental student uh, when I was twenty years old, and okay. <laughs> ended up marrying him. And so I'm the wife of a dentist, and okay. I'm a psychologist. So. Um, I had my own career, did, you know, a little bit of stuff behind the scenes at our practice, but not very heavily involved initially until about eight years ago when our front office team quit kind of suddenly. And he came home and said, Hey, uh, honey, I need you to come in on Monday and run the front office. So kind of got thrown into it and figured all of that out. And here I am. I mean, that's really the short story, but, um, realized that my career as a psychologist could lend itself to dentistry and really shaped our practice into um, helping people with dental anxiety, which is like a buttload of people. And so uh, it's just exploded. And so now I consult other medical professionals, mostly in dental, but I'd love to get in major medical too, because there's so many people that are nervous about receiving dental care and medical care in general. That's so, so cool. Yeah, that's that, cool. I, I think that's that's like, you know, we forget um, because 
I, I'm sure, you know, so many people listening to the podcast are in alignment with this, but like I had an amazing experience growing up with dentistry. Like mm-hmm. I had sealants, I had braces, I had my wisdom teeth pulled, but it was, you know, like I, I don't have, I'm sure you've heard those horror stories, right? Like I've had patients say my dentist threatened to slap me when I was a kid or, yeah. you know, I, it's like, what? I mean, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I know, I know. As I, as I raise my that. hand, having yeah. dentistry done in a communist country, like, yeah, oh, that, yeah. that was not, I'm fun. sure. And, and that's yeah. the thing is like so many people like have that PTSD already, or as I'm sure you've seen, parents will actually transfer some of that fear and anxiety in their kids you know, and so then kiddos show up and they maybe haven't had anything bad happen to them in the dental practice, but they're still scared. And uh, I think we forget a lot of times how you know fearful it is. And now let's add on all the layers of what's happened with this global health crisis. And now I'd imagine you've been rolling up your sleeves and really getting to work on, um, you know, helping practices with that, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, and the other piece of that is that even if someone hasn't had a bad dental experience, what what I really realized from my training as a psychologist and working in the school setting was that a lot of the issues that people have with dentistry are sensory related. So, mm. you know, when I worked in the schools, they have sensory rooms for kids. And a lot of people probably don't know that, but like there's full on rooms for kids that either need more sensory or need less sensory because hmm. behavioral issues, autism, all these, all these things impact our bodies in a positive or negative way. And so what I realized was that dentistry assaults the sensory system from almost every angle. And so Mm. even if you've never had a bad dental experience or a painful something or the, you know, doctor was mean to you, your body is most, for most people is saying, whoa, this does not feel good. I don't, it's maybe not painful, but it's uncomfortable. It's the smells, it's the sounds, it's the sights. Mm-hmm. The sensory system is ringing bells and and telling that person this is not the best thing, not something I want to really do. I'll do it because I know it's good for me and I want to maintain my oral health or maybe mm-hmm. I won't. Some patients don't come in, but if we can address that and create a better sensory experience for people, it just makes a world of difference. I want to mm-hmm. talk about that because... <clears throat> I, Irene does such a good job of this with her practice. I don't know if you've seen, um, you know, what she has, but she's built out a, a visually stunning practice. Um, and I, I think to your point, like we, we, we want to have that sterile aesthetic, right? You do. It, it's a clinic. You want it to be clean, but Irene has, um, these touches that make you feel like you're in almost like a spa, you know, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. in the very clean lines. And, you know, I would imagine that that in and of itself is very calming. People can feel the energy of a practice just by walking in as a consultant. I'm sure you see this all the time, Jessica, you sit down in the reception area of a practice and you know, right away, <laughs> you yep. know, even the sound of what the, the phones sound like when they're ringing at that front right. desk, what that drill sounds like. Um, you know, so I guess my, my question to you is, when you work with practices, um, are you going, are you deep diving into, we need to change some of the colors? Do we need to like pump in a smell like they do at the Westin? Like, are, are you working on some of those things? And, and what does that look like in a practice? Yes, all those things. I mean, it depends. Every practice, I guess, will find me and I find them at a different point. So some practices are like gorgeous and incredible and they're doing a lot of great things. Their team's really well um you know, well-versed on how to help people and talk with people that are anxious, but some practices need like a complete overhaul. So, but yes, mm-hmm. all the details really matter. And so I love to come in and really 
depending on what they want, I can help them with all those aspects and every little detail, whether it's decor or colors. Um, and, but also really importantly, training the team about dental anxiety and like what can trigger it and how to, how to kind of work around it and create that better experience for the patient. Because it's definitely more than just like the visual part of it. What happens to the patient in the dental chair can make a really big difference. And that's, I think, where a lot of offices kind of miss the beat. They build a beautiful facility and that, that is wonderful. That will help. But it only can take it so far when the person's like in the chair, like Ugh, just kind of bearing through the actual treatment. So that's where mm-hmm. things like teaching teams how to put in um, amenities, I call them, mm-hmm. little simple things to help, again, create like a positive sensory experience as opposed to a negative sensory experience. Like what? Like what kind of stuff would someone implement easily? Like if you could say your top five things that like every dental office should have, what would those be? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of the best is a heated neck wrap. So it's literally just, you know, it's it got a little bit of a weight to it and, you know, it's warm. So it helps kind of create that calming feel on the shoulders. Everyone's got their shoulders up and just tense and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's really very, very helpful. Most people really enjoy that. Um, I would say the other really big thing is a, a blanket, but even taking it one step further, a weighted blanket. Um, mm. if you're not familiar with weighted blankets, it's, it's very helpful for anxiety. It helps you feel more grounded. If you've ever had a patient, cause I know Katrina, you're a hygienist. If you've ever had a patient, uh, ask you to keep the x-ray bib on it, because yeah. it kind of feels yeah, good. It, that's, that, that weight feels good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that, sorry, I had to plug in. Um, so those would be like my top two. Um, I guess the other thing, noise reducing headphones. So not just like headphones like what we're wearing, but legit, you know, cover the ear and take that high pitch drill frequency down. Just take off the edge of that. Um, the -hmm. drill is really helpful. And if I had to choose like one more, hmm. I mean, I really like teaching teams how to do a mini massage and sometimes people Mm -hmm. get a little like, I don't want to do that, but just like it's basically like an oral cancer screen times three. Yeah. You know, it's like it's a minute or two, yeah. and it's just rubbing on those masseter muscles, maybe a little bit behind the ears, because that patient's been held, their mouth has been held open for an hour or more sometimes. So yeah. just that little extra, like that feel good, because the patient is, you know, people buy on emotions, and if you can help them to feel good and not like dread that whole visit, they're gonna be like, oh sure, I'll come back for that filling I need or the next whitening or whatever, you know, I mean, it's about Mm -hmm. creating like a, just a, a positive experience. Have you ever so, had anyone – hold on. Let me ask mm-hmm. before we move on from the accoutrements <laughs> well, of the I, I, dental. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm adding to the accoutrements here okay, too. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> have you ever had anyone – so it's kind of a two-part question mm-hmm. – give you any pushback on bringing in those items in, on the infection control side? So like how many blankets do mm-hmm. we need here? Yeah. How like many – how do we protect – and I see this mm-hmm. on Instagram all the time. Like the noise-canceling headphones is something that I've thought about forever. Mm-hmm. But it's like how do I clean those things because any harmful wipes and stuff will ruin the electronics. Like is there a barrier for these things? How do we do it? Yeah. So everything I teach can be 
fully disinfected with a cavi wipe or anything you would use in the treatment room to wipe anything down. So, mm. you know, the headphones absolutely can be wiped down, the neck wraps wiped down, the blankets, you just launder them. So, you know, depending on the size of the office, I have kind of keys set up for like, okay, you have four treatment rooms and you're going to probably see this many patients in a day. Let's order this many weighted blankets or this many regular blankets. I like to have both because not everybody, some people actually, you know, feel a little claustrophobic with a weighted blanket. And so everyone, when they get anxious, feels a little bit different. So it's good to have options, but that's where I really help to kind of dial in. Okay. These are the products to use that are known to be able to be safe and not disintegrate with infection control, but also how many you need Mm -hmm. and how to use it and how to make it time efficient. Because as we know, like time is money. And so we can't add time to the treatment schedule. We have to make it really effective and make it not a burden for the team to add these things for patients. Hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that Irene does in her practice is she's got her little dog, Lou. Mm-hmm. He's a little um, tiny poodle mix and he's amazing. Um, and, you know, we're starting to see a lot um, of practices bringing in animals to help with anxiety. How many of the practices you work with have integrated something like bringing in an animal? I would imagine like a furry one. You're not seeing like snakes, right? Like- <laughs> that would be anxiety provoking for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how many, how many um, offices do you work with want to infuse something like that? And, and what trends are you seeing in that uh, realm? You know, actually, none of the offices that, oh, look at what a dog. I love dogs. He's oh such my a gosh. baby. Is he, okay, He's so such question. A chicken nugget. Is he like therapy certified or no? Just like super chill? No, and calm? because we, we tried to get him ther- therapy certified, but we got him when COVID started. Oh. So there's no, there's no real way to send him in right now. Sure. Yeah. Well, so no. He's more of an emotional support dog is, than an yes. official therapy dog. <laughs> he's wildly trained too. <laughs> he is wildly trained. Yeah. Oh, look at him. Oh, no, uh, actually, <laughs> none of the offices that I that I've directly consulted with have incorporated that into their practice. So, I mean, it, it's. I think it's great. I love animals. I mean, I think the only concern is you know if you have someone with like severe allergies, making sure that. They're not uncomfortable, um, you know, but I love the idea. I think the more we can do to help people feel more calm and comfortable, the better. I, we know, I know we have a, um, a patient in our practice, actually, that he'll bring in his own therapy dog and he yeah. just sits in, you know, yeah. sits in the treatment room with him and it just, it helps him and that's wonderful. Yeah, I'm totally into that. I, I We're starting to see a lot of, um, like here in the Phoenix airport, they have therapy dogs that are there because a lot of people get anxiety about flying. So, you know, you've got these like really amazing volunteers that bring their pets in and they just walk up and down the gates and visit with people. Like what a cool thing, you know, and so these dogs cool. are like so cute. They they like think they're working. They've got their little vest on <laughs> and they're like, we're just going to work today. <laughs> it's like, oh, I love it. It's so funny. So, awesome. so my team sent me a meme the other day and they were it was like, let's get a puppy for when we're all having a bad day. So like have a puppy at the office just for the team. And I was like, you know, I don't think we get a lot done because like even if a baby comes right. into the building, we're all just staring and we can't focus. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it can be great for patients for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tell absolutely. us about some of the transformations that you've seen um, in in your career. Like I think – it's how do I say this politely to all of the people that are out there? 
Like, it's the OGs, like the old school dental offices that are the ones that struggle the most with creating this patient-centric environment. Um, You know, it's that transformation. So if I were to purchase a practice, um, you know, there's there's a variety of different ways that you can think of it. And I, I mean, I talk to Mark Costas often about, you know, practice acquisition. He helped me build my office. And we talk about like, okay, well, office number two, like, what will that look like? Do we do a startup? Do we buy a practice? Like there have been some great success stories where people have purchased practices and and refaced them and taken all of that neglected dentistry that, you know, the OG dentists in the past kind of, you know, maybe missed or was kind of doing just like, you know, the one-off carpentry dentistry sort of thing. How do you take a practice like that, that has compressors from the fifties <laughs> and the dental chairs that the dental chairs Ooh. that have been reupholstered. Those with, are, with those are anxiety. Tape, like like th- that'll hike up your anxiety. Just seeing like an old school, know. like gross chair with like the spittoon thing. Like, yeah. I, I don't know that, how that do you, just gets me going. How do you s- incorporate something like this and, and not fear that you'll lose your patients or, your team members, because you were you're now asking them to do you know three or four extra things during that visit. Yeah, no, I think it. I obviously I think the t- team buying is huge, and so usually when I start with a practice, I really talk about why. Why do we care? Why do we want to do this? And so most of the time, if the people are in dentistry for the right reason, which is to help people and to make a difference and improve people's you know, oral health and whatnot, they're like, yeah, I, I want my patients to be better and feel better and maintain their health. And so as long as they can understand like why this is important and how impactful it can be for their patient, that usually will help them to go, okay, I'm able to do, even though this is, feels like it's a little bit more, if, as long as it's streamlined, as long as we can make things really functional for the team and make things accessible and quick and easy to grab. And literally this is like, these are amenities that you would put in place as you're seeing the patient. So it's not like you need to spend an extra 15 minutes doing these things. It's literally like, well, hi, you know, Katrina, how was your vacation? And you're, you're getting the patient settled in the chair and you're putting the blanket on while you're chit-chatting, which you would do anyway. You're not going to like throw them in the chair and stab them with the, the needle, right? Like you're going to warm them up a little bit with conversation and just getting them situated. So it's during that time that it gets added in. And so that's usually the approach I take is like, here's why, here's the, you know, here's the impact for the patient and here's how we're going to help it be super effective and efficient for you so that it doesn't feel like more. Going back to your question about, you know, if it's like a debilitated practice that doesn't have anything going on, I mean, that's tricky. Obviously, like it depends on the budget. If, if, um, the practice needs to invest money in computers in, you know, I mean, it really just depends on where they want to go and how quickly they want to get there. But I do believe that if you, I mean, these are all really simple and cost effective things to add to the practice. We're not talking about a CEREC or an Omnicam, you know, we're not talking about huge dollar items. We're talking about like a $16 neck wrap that's going to last for three to six months that can make a world of difference for a patient. So even if a practice is really low budget or not able to do a lot because there's a lot of other things that need to happen, 
to get it up to speed, this is a great way to make an impact for patients at a really affordable, you know, price for the practice. And then that then can help organically grow things because it's not only like a great service for patients to have less anxiety, but people with less anxiety will talk about it. They'll be like, I've never been somewhere that I didn't feel terrified. And now I, now I feel great. Or look at this cool thing that I'm at the dentist. They take their own photos and like post them and kind of grow it, you know, for you that you don't even have to ask them. They just think it's fun and kind of, you know, something novel. So there's a lot of angles that it can take. Um, but it also creates loyalty because if, you know, the patient can feel good and feel like they trust your practice because you're making them their comfort really a paramount, they're going to be able to continue to choose you whether insurance changes or their job changes or they move a little ways away and it's less convenient because you're able to do something that's different and they see that value when their body feels different, right? So um, that's how I guess I help teams buy into it because it, it, it can be really profound and it can cause a lot of the pain points that we typically have in dentistry in the business sense to be diminished. So, you know, if you've got patients attracted to your practice, you're less likely to have holes in your schedule. You're less likely to not, you know, you're going to more likely meet your new patient goals because you're bringing in people that care about quality dentistry that like the idea of being pampered or having amenities that will make them more comfortable. So those pain points are solved. Um, We've actually seen in our practice crown production increase by 55%. And that's not trying to sell more crowns. Like we work with integrity. If a crown is needed, it's needed. It's not like we're trying to meet a practice goal in case presenting a crown for that reason. It's like, it's there, it's not. So it's, I think just like the case acceptance is higher because people are comfortable and it also just attracts people. I think that have more disposable income that can afford to do that treatment and now they're comfortable to do it. So it's a, it's a lot of things, but Mm. it can really have profound impacts for the patient and the business alike, which is what I love about it. Interesting. I read something on your website that I I kind of feel very uh, connected to. You had a blog post about clutter <laughs> and that clutter is like the number one thing that people see, patients see. And I don't know if it's like a me thing, but I notice clutter everywhere. Like I notice clutter in people's photos on Instagram, if they post a selfie in their bathroom and like their toothbrushes upside down touching the counter, like that drives me nuts. (laughs) So how do you think that most patients perceive clutter and why do you think that a lot of team members that are working in the trenches all day long, um, you know, why do you think that we collect so much junk? Like the sticky notes, the like mm-hmm. mountains and mountains of sticky notes. That drives me nuts. Whenever I see my reception desk covered in sticky notes, I'm like, we have technology for a reason. Use sticky notes on your desktop. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. get the paper out of here. Why do you think that people are just so comfortable with the way that things were? Well, I don't think people realize how profound clutter can impact the patient or you as a, you know, as a doctor or somebody else. Like they've done so much research that clutter will cause you to not be able to focus. It can cause sleep issues. It can cause anxiety. And it's actually more profoundly noticed in women. So for whatever reason, we as a gender have like a harder time with clutter typically. And so I think 
people don't really. It's because we're the better. Well, sex right. Customer. I know exactly. Like, <laughs> we're solving all the problems. We are the more profound gender. <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I think people just don't even realize, like, the number one, the impact the clutter can have in a negative way, or number two, most people don't see their own clutter. Like, they just don't. They they they're used to their space. Mm-hmm. They're used to the way they do things, and they don't even like. It's easier to see other people's clutter to be honest. Like I love going into offices and being like, whoa, okay, that corner. Wow. Okay. Like they don't even notice because there's, again, they're desensitized just like we're desensitized to the scent. Like it's our, it's our body's way of allowing us to work in an environment that stinks. Mm. Let's be real. Like it stinks like anesthetic and rotten teeth and ground up bone. And I mean, so our body has like adapted and said, okay, you're not going to smell that anymore. We're desensitizing you so that you can function. But like the patient, they, mm-hmm. they don't have that. So they come in and they go, whoa, that's, that smells terrible. It's the same thing with yeah. clutter. We, we get desensitized. We don't realize that it has such a negative impact and we can't see it anymore. You know, that you bring up an interesting point, and, and I, I love that you're sharing. Thank you, Irene, for bringing up the clutter because um, when the global health crisis happened and everybody was sitting at home watching Netflix and, like, getting caught up on Shit's Creek and everything, you know, a lot of people were watching, like, Home Edit, mm. Marie Kondo, and really looking at, like, the, the art of tidying up, but really the emotion that we even have around a lot of that clutter. So it, it really makes sense that a lot of your psychology background is able to really lean into that. Um, so my question for you is because we've become quote unquote desensitized to the sights, the smells, the sounds of a dental practice, what does that mean for us? Do do we, you know, do, do those colors, those, those sights, sounds, smells, you know, is that something that because we're so accustomed to it, that we don't have anxiety walking into work, do those Mm. sounds in the background actually get our heart rate going and we're constantly like that throughout the day when we're working clinically? Have you you looked at what those impacts are for a dental professional working in this? You know, that's a really interesting point. I haven't, but you know, if you think about it, I guess it, I think it would depend on the personality of the person. I think some people come to work and they probably are more sensitive and they, even though they are accustomed to those things, it's still there in the background and it might be impacting them and causing them to feel anxious. And for other people, they're able to, they have more of a sensory tolerance. So they're able to tune that out and they're okay with it. So I guess it would probably depend on the personality of the person. But like you said too, um, you know, I think most people that go into the profession of dentistry, like have a really positive history and impact, like you're not bothered Mm -hmm. by a lot of it or you wouldn't have gone into it, right? Like, Um, if you hated the sound of a train whistle, you probably wouldn't want to be a train conductor. So by nature, Mm -hmm. I think people that work in the dental profession are probably already less sensitive sensory wise to a lot of the stuff you deal with on a day-to-day basis. But I know my husband, like he's going deaf because he's a dentist and he has a drill all the time. And I'm like, I don't want to scream when we're 80, like, please, you know, protect your ears. So it certainly has an impact, but psychologically speaking, I think it would depend on the person. Yeah, I almost wonder if it impacts more of our like front office team members, um, just because, you know, for Irene, Irene and I are, you know, 
both hygienists, we're, we're used to the sound of the ultrasonics. We're, we're used to the sound of the sharpening stone on our instrument. I mean, to your point, we are accustomed to that, but you know, I, Irene's got some team members that, you know, came in from like working at Starbucks, for example. So the sight sound smells of coming into a dental practice is very different. It, it, it's Def- kind of an it definitely does thought. not smell like a caramel macchiato. <laughs> it doesn't smell like a pumpkin spice latte in your practice. You can get machines for that. You can, yeah, you can. There you go. I mean, we, we used to diffuse oils in our filters, um, but That's cool. because of COVID, I mean, we've got air purifiers everywhere, so mm-hmm. it's just pulling up that scent. You can't really smell much of it. At the front area, mm-hmm. you can, so... Like we do peppermint. Mm-hmm. We try not to do like. Oh, that's a good. Stuff. That's a good smell, Irene, for a dental. Yeah, practice, it's like I a feel. mild, a mild peppermint. Um, that's nice. But yeah, we don't do it in the operatories because our ops are closed up now because of COVID precautions and stuff. But we have one there, and then we have one in the bathroom, and it kind of diffuses, you know, as best as we can. But yep. That's nice. Um, but you're right. Yeah. People come in and we hide the diffuser. So I don't know if you've ever been to like a super fancy hotel where there's a scent in the air and you don't know where it comes mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. Um, because they diffuse it through their HVAC mm-hmm. system. So it's like, how do I do that except not pay thousands and thousands of dollars yes. to have a diffuser in my HVAC system? So we hide the diffuser and like we're like, and people are like, what's that smell? We're like, I don't know. That's just like what it smells just, here. But really there's like smelling. an industrial size bottle of, of drops that we fill in. Every so, okay. Morning. Well, why do you have, is the awesome. diffuser ugly? Cause I think so many of them are actually really beautiful and that like adds to the vibe if you have it out. Well, that's, so I'm in Canada and our, our guidelines and regulations here due to COVID are quite strict oh. Um, you can't have, like, we can't have our waiting room open. So like nobody can sit and wait. We still have to have our front door locked and people have to wait outside to enter. Like there's no sitting and waiting around. Um, I had like a paraffin hand wax item that Mm -hmm. had to be discontinued. Um, like a lot of things that are decorative had to be removed. You're not supposed to have plants in your office. I have plants in my office. I don't care what (laughs) anyone thinks. I'm a plant mom. Like, it's better that oxygen. Well, yeah. is what it is. I mean, it's just it's calming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's calming me more than anyone else. But yeah, so like, there's certain the less you have, and I mean, social media is a tough place to live in many instances. So I get a lot of heat from people. Some like random person was like, "You have a plant in your reception area." It's like, wow, thanks. Okay. I also yeah. play with a Rubik's cube halfway through the day. Like, are you gonna fault me for that too? <laughs> um, so so yeah, so we we ch- I try and keep it as minimally visible as I see. possible. Um, but I look at your website, I look at your office and it's stunning. And I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> if only they yeah. would let me. We're just living here in the rogue yeah. United States where we can just put plants wherever we want, Irene. Yeah. <laughs> so um, final question for you, Jessica, um, because you, you've shared so many, you know, really valuable pieces and, and you've, you've hinted at it, but I, I'd love to hear um, just your thoughts on this. When we talk about creating a change in our practices, um, you know, we, we've got a big listenership of particularly hygienists that listen to this podcast, not all, but a lot. Um, and when we think about creating change in our practice, adding a new procedure, adding a different flavor of polish, you know, so, some of these things are things that we can easily go to our doctor and we can say, hey, if you implement this, this is how much money you can charge for this procedure. And so it behooves you financially to invest in getting me trained on this or buying mm-hmm. this piece of equipment. But when you talk about things like 
you know, some of the accoutrements that you've already kind of gone over with us or, you know, adding, adding scented oils into a practice, which I think is terrific. I'm like, I'm a hippie child. Like I'm super into that. Um, Mm -hmm. but for a practice owner, you know, the question comes up, you know, where's the ROI? And the problem is you can't necessarily say, well, this patient, some of those things are, are soft, Mm -hmm investments into your practice, right? You can't measure that. You can't extrapolate and say, well, because we did this and now we're seeing that. Um, But it's like from one of my favorite books, Good to Great, where they say in that flywheel, it's not just one thing that moves the practice forward. It's all, it's the culmination of all the things. It's the, you know, softness of the receptionist voice, welcoming you into the practice. It's not having magazines from the 1980s in your reception area or whatever that looks like. So how do you, you know, move through uh, particularly communicating with practice owners when there are some concerns about bringing in a bringing in a particular piece of equipment or bringing something into the practice that you don't necessarily have direct ROI on? How do you convert that, or how do you move them um, into saying yes? And I'm I'm specifically talking about the hygienists who are listening that maybe you know want a, a better insert uh, or want, uh, you know, new uh, loops or want a new chair to sit on, you know, but mm-hmm. all those things are things that are improving the practice. So how, how do we close that gap? What's that conduit? Yeah, like? that's, that's a really good question and something that is difficult to tackle because most doctors are very analytical and they want to, they want to see that they want to see like, okay, this equals that equals that boom, that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is harder to, it is a little bit more subjective. However, it, again, it depends kind of like where the practice is at. So sometimes I have a practice that's like, I'm only seeing five new patients a month. I want to see 25 new patients a month. Okay. So if we can look at their data and we can say, okay, on average, you're seeing that many new patients a month. Let's put this in place. I guarantee you, I will stay involved with the practice. And like, Obviously, my time is worth something. I'm a practice owner as well. So, like, I right. consult with the practice until they've re- they've made up their ROI on new patients. And we use the data from the last three months, and we go forward and say, okay, when you've hit five new patients, like, this is completely paid for itself and beyond. And that's just within that month, right? So, what is a new patient worth mm-hmm. in a in the year in, you know, the long the long term if they stay with you with loyalty and all the other things? So there's that way to look at it. Um, you know, and then the other part is is really just sharing like all of the feedback that patients have provided because for most businesses, like yeah. having patients, you know, put out great testimonials and how many patients are referring other patients using that data to say, okay, you have a lot of great patients. Who are your favorite patients? Now, what if they would tell their five friends and you got 15 more of those types of patients or what are the procedures that you want to do? Maybe because I do work with practices that are like, we can't even really take more new patients. And so that's a different measuring system. So that, that practice is going to look more at production and look more at, okay, so we want to do more Botox. We want to do more implants. We want to do more crowns. Okay. So let's look at that data. And over time, we're going to see that you're going to be able to increase those services because you've you've up leveled the practice and you've increased your uh, 
your collateral, like your social collateral with how you're marketing and branding and how you're attracting people. Because the other way to attract patients Mm -hmm. is to offer a bunch of discounts, to offer free whitening and do all these other things Mm -hmm. to attract Mm -hmm. them. But now how do you keep those people? They're going to go to the next place down that sells a cheaper crown. So if we can, if we can do things to attract more people that are quality, that want the service that you can provide, it's, it's an easier way to keep people and measure, I guess, measure production or new patient numbers, or depending on what they want to grow, I guess we use that data and they have to, part of it's like trusting in like the success that we've had and going, okay, I look at what you're doing and I want that for my practice. I want to have a beautiful office. I want to have the problem of too many new patients. I want to have these issues where I can increase fees and get out of network and all these other things. So it's a little bit, it's a little soft. You're right. But at the same time, it's like, it's inspiring. It's, it's like we can, this not only can be a practice builder, like my big vision on this is like, let's make dentistry like more well-received overall. Like, why are we like the redheaded stepchild of medical? Like, why do people hate going to these offices? Like, let's make it better for everyone. I mean, in the long run, obviously that takes a lot of time, but I just feel like it's for so many years been just this, this dreaded place that people joke about, oh, you know, it's like pulling teeth or all the movies and the silly things that people say about dentistry. Like, it makes it harder yeah. for you, for dentists to do a good job and to have patients that really value what they do. So I'd love to change the whole perception personally, but that's a big task. So yeah, sure is. absolutely. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for I, as, as we're chatting, I am scrolling through Amazon. Always canceling headphones. <laughs> get, get the uh, No joke. Like I'm not even kidding. I would share get my those, screen, but I'd, I'll break the, the bows, internet. I got four into cart. I'm not going to buy bows because they're, they'll go, they'll oh. go missing. Uh, but I, I bought, I bought another okay. comparable brand. Uh, and then I also found a really, so I, I, I love seeing kids. We see a lot of kids. So there's a really cute little kids, tiger ear kids headphones Aww. that come in different colors. I'll add them to my Instagram link in bio for people that want to check out the, my Amazon. I have like a whole Amazon thing of like that I've purchased for my office. So, but they're so cute. They're like little tiger noise canceling. Well, and that's the other, the other thing is like. Now I need to buy like a bunch of, of iPods. (laughs) Well, even just having them on with nothing piped in, it helps. It takes down that high pitch. But I was going to say too, with kids, like kids just love choices. So when you like, we, we put it on like a little spa menu or like, you know, that they can choose from at every visit, all the amenities and kids just love like being in charge. Like, yeah, I want a blanket or Mm -hmm. no, I don't today. You know, like they just want to feel empowered. I mean, just like all of us, but I think it's extra fun and creating like the next generation of kids that doesn't have bad dental experiences will then help the future and people feel a bit differently about dentistry too. So Totally. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, Katrina, it is time, correct? Tis the time, oh. Irene. She'll be back. She's always, she am, always am I, comes oh, back. I'm here. I'm back. You're Can you frozen. not hear me? Oh, You're no. here. You're back. Is I'm tis back. time? Is it time, Katrina? Tis time. Tis time. Do you know what time it is, Jessica? I don't. I'm a little nervous. This is a true, I mean... true test. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> So so we're called the Tooth or Dare podcast for a reason. At the end of every episode, Katrina and I do a rock, paper, scissors, and the loser goes up oh, against gosh. you. 
and you get to decide whether you accept or dish a tooth or a dare. If you decide to do a tooth, we'll ask you like a steamy question, or you can ask us a steamy question. Or if you do a dare, then you have to do like the dare on a video and you share it on Instagram and then we'll share it through all of our things. So you can think about that (laughs) while we do our rock, paper, scissors. Um, And as we warm up our fingers, the rest of you need to follow us on Instagram. You can follow me, Irene, at toothlife.irene. You can follow Katrina at the Dental Wine Genesis. And definitely check out um, Jessica's website, uh, Martin Management. Uh, Martin com, Management. Right? Martin L-L-C. Management. LLC.com. There we go. I'll link all of that stuff below. And her Instagram, her Facebook, and her LinkedIn is also tagged there, her email, phone number, all that fun stuff, and some amazing photos of her beautiful office. There's like a little. Um, thing that you could sign up for where you can sign up to download five ways to make your spa dentistry more profitable. And uh, there's like a little PDF that you can download. So check that out. You ready, girlfriend? I'm ready. Let's do it. Rock, paper, paper scissors, scissors, shoot. shoot. Irene. We both mm. did scissors. Ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. You always know I'm going to go for the scissors again. I always know your your do scissors twice. So, (laughs) Katrina Law, so it's up to you, Jessica. Would you like to accept or dish? Okay, so if I dish, then what happens? Then then I ask you the next question. So you're going to dish? I don't know. I'll accept. I'm not a disher, I think, right? Oh, oh, she's accepting. Would you like to accept a tooth or a Um, dare? I'm going to do a tooth. Yeah. A tooth. Okay, Katrina. Something something vibrant. <laughs> Lou is here for this. Lou okay, is very Lou. interested. Get your toes ready, Lou. Um, what is the worst thing about being married to the mm. dentist who runs the dental side of the practice you manage? Lou would like to answer this question as well. <laughs> is Lou he going to listen microphone? to this? I guess that I get to decide Good right, job, if Luke. he listens to this or not. Um, it's up to <laughs> no. you. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's Who pretend yeah, yeah, that's to it. Then I can be more toothful, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we <laughs> no, want. I think the hardest – well, I think the hardest part is like we talk a lot of business because we both work in the business and so it's – very difficult to shut it off. And like Irene had, Irina had said she went on vacation and like had a hard time shutting. Even when we go on vacation and it's supposed to be like our, you know, connective time as a couple, we end up talking about dentistry. And like part of me loves it because I, I am in the industry too and I get really excited talking about it. But then sometimes I'm like, you know, is it all about you and dentistry? Like sometimes I get a little bit, you know, it's tough, but if I wasn't involved, yeah. I don't even know. I would probably have lost my mind because he loves to talk about it. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like always on yeah. his mind because it's, it's our business. I get it, but yeah, it's hard to shut it off. Oh, but there it is. It's hard to baby. shut it, shut it down. It's his baby. Well, thank, thank you for letting us deep dive into the dark side of being married to a dentist. <laughs> and I always have to floss every night. No fail. Like, Never get go. away with yep. it. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Well, that is amazing. Thank you so much, Jessica, for being here with us today. Mm-hmm. And um, until next time, peace out, peeps. And we're back. 
on the flippity flip from the from flippity where flip. we were on the the previous flippity flip of sorts ricky martin is joining us on the flippity yes. flip we hope you all enjoyed we, this amazing episode yes. with the wonderful jessica martin jessica not ricky martin not ricky no he's coming he's he's in the in the yeah. in the queue yes he's days. waiting yes we'll get him maybe maybe we can get ricky our martin. friends Designs for Vision to hook it up. I feel like if anyone knows anyone, it's John from Designs for Vision. John knows everybody. John knows everyone. He I'm probably knows you, Ricky Martin. Like, I he is he's my favorite. He sends me emails all the time with like the newest research happening. He's I love that. he's not a dentist and he's not a hygienist, no. but like he's no. so curious and involved in everything that's happening in like the perio world. I I love it. He is amazing. amazing. If you thank you so you all, much, you know. Yes, uh, trade peeps. show season is coming upon us. ADHA, RDH under yes. one roof, all these. So if y'all are zipping around, stop by the Designs for Vision booth and ask to meet John. John. Um, yeah. Tell him Irene and Katrina awesome. send you. Yeah, Irene and Katrina sent you. Uh, yeah. Because we Poor absolutely guy. love him. Like He's amazing. Overwhelmed. Um, yes. So thanks again, peeps. And thanks for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Tooth or Dirt podcast. Until next time, peace out, peeps. Cheers. Bye.